You're listening to Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress podcast. I'm your host, Nadine Bozeman. In this podcast, I'm sharing business systems and strategies specifically tailored to the bridal sewing industry so you can build your own modern and profitable bridal alterations business. Join me as I also get to chat with fellow seamstresses and share their personal success stories. I'm so glad you're here and that we can grow together in this unique trade. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you're having a great week. Um, For me, I'm settling into what will hopefully be a slower season um, that I'm I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, so we're kind of getting to the end of the run here. Some of you are just ramping up to finish up those fall weddings. So um, wherever you are in your sewing journey, I'm so glad that you're here, that you tuned in to spend some time with me. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, you might be distracted because I have stuff on the wall behind me. And it's very exciting because I've had a blank wall behind me for the past six months. So I'm so excited to have color. And if you're listening, I will describe this to you. I have some Morgan Harper Nichols quotes behind me. I got a plant, um, a candle I might light. I don't know. But um, adding that little color was a big step for me. So... (laughs) I hope it adds a little more intrigue if you are watching. Okay, today let's dive into the episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter because last week's episode was super long. So thank you for hanging out for that. It was a sneak peek into our online membership. So I shared a recent training from Jessica Guzikowski, and she was talking about how to cultivate relationships with other local wedding vendors and how to to really nurture those relationships because as a hyper-local business owner, they're super important. Well, today we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the thought or the concept of business being our baby. Have you heard that before? Have you ever been caught saying that? (laughs) That your business is your baby? And I know that that can be pretty tempting because we pour so much energy into our business and this business was our idea, right? Especially if you're working as an independent seamstress, you can feel like that ownership, like no joke over your business and really proud of it, you know, with good reason. You've done a lot to get this far, right? Um, But sometimes when we think of our business as our baby, it can be a little crippling because we think we can't change anything. Everything that we've, you know, accomplished this far was done by doing things a certain way or, you know, not changing our routine. So like the thought of switching things up can be terrifying. Um, So there's that balance. We want to have pride in our business, but we also want to give ourselves the freedom of flexibility. And I'm going to take it a step further. I'm a firm believer that flexibility in our business is a key to growth, to our financial growth, to our growth with our creativity, our mindset growth, like as just a person, right? We want to be open to change and not be afraid of it. I think one thing that we've learned the past couple years is that our world can change so quickly, um, so drastically in a really short amount of time. And as business owners, it's important that we're ready to just kind of go with the flow and not take change personally. Um, What I mean by that is not to see change as like a failure, but as an opportunity to grow because we can see so much reward when we let that growth in and we let that change in that freedom. So I'm going to talk through three areas in our business that we can allow for some flexibility. And I'm going to share kind of why it's even been on my mind lately. Um, And as a bonus for you, I have a little homework guide that goes with this episode. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, this sounds kind of intriguing, you know, there's this area in my business that I'd like to feel a little bit more flexibility in. 
you can head to secrets of bridal seamstress podcast.com and there's a free download for you. And it's like a little, um, a journaling guide. So I have some questions that you can, you know, lead yourself through, um, and hopefully set yourself up for even more success. Okay. So the reason that I'm thinking of this is, um, I remember, 10 years ago, I actually shared this on Instagram recently because it was like a Facebook memory that popped up for me. And 10 years ago, if you know my story, I was a classroom teacher. So I was teaching middle school choir and I knew that I wanted to get out of the classroom. Didn't know how I was going to do it, but I had this thought in my mind. You can't laugh at me because I already know how dumb this is. Okay. But I thought that I could only start a business Um, And I'm trying to think back of like who my influencers were at the time. Like who was I following? This is when Instagram was like still pretty new. Uh, Pinterest was a big thing. Um, But I, I am trying to think of like what my influences were because I was a strong believer that if I wanted to start my own business, um, a creative business, I had to just make cute things to sell. If I were to make most of my money off of like a necessary service, like heaven forbid, bread alterations, I'd be a sellout. And this is when I guess you can laugh a little bit because (laughs) it's like, I didn't know what the heck I was thinking. So what my life looked like is, first of all, I was a full-time middle school teacher. And then I would also make all these really cute little crafty things, right? Because I was a creative and heaven forbid I should you know, sew anything out of necessity, right? So I would sew all these really cute things for local markets, like coffee cozies. That's what that picture was that I shared. Um, And I had like all these cute little kitchen, you know, goodies. And if you think back to circa like 2012 and what people were selling in the crafty genre, yeah, that I was making it, okay? So the potholders, like the cute little soup bowl microwave things, I don't know. You can just imagine how much money I was making, like, <laughs> part, part-time part selling those things, okay? And then I was also taking, let's not forget, like, the garbage bags full of alterations from my coworkers because I was dabbling in that, but I wasn't ready to commit to alterations because I thought, okay, I'd be a sellout if I only made money, if that was my bread and butter, you know, <laughs> making alter uh, alterations money. And then I was getting into some custom clothing. I love making my own clothing, and I was thinking, okay, I guess I could do that for others. I was making custom quilts. I was literally doing everything, telling myself that I was being a creative and I couldn't get locked into something that was a necessary service like bridal alterations or even just soul alterations. So, or general alterations. So, um, eventually, you know, I let go of that and I opened myself up to more general alterations and I kind of put the crafty stuff to the side. And then of course, like within a matter of months, literally, I niched down to bridal sewing. And then that was it. And my life has been forever changed. Okay. So the cool part of that story is once I started making a bulk of my money off of bridal sewing, I could still integrate the fun crafty side. Uh, But it became my secondary um, income stream. We've been talking about that within our membership is just creating multiple income streams so that we didn't have that pressure of making all of our money just from brides. But that's another subject for another day. I get really excited about it. So I got to cut myself off. So what I do, what I've done up to this point is um, during my slower months, I sell um, knit items, hand knit items, and some like cute flannel accessories. And I have a team of knitters that knit for me throughout the year. And then... um, 
you know, during market season, I get to show up at all those fun like craft fairs and and local markets, and I connect with my local community, and I get to make the fun crafty stuff, right? And I kind of take a break from bridal sewing, and it's awesome. Well, I've been thinking about flexibility because last year it just wasn't as fun for me. And it, things were still selling, right? I was still making money off of it. It was still, you know, it looked successful from the outside, but I just knew that like from my perspective, I was changing and it just wasn't as enjoyable. So this year I will have a couple big sales. I have a couple big markets that I'm going to be a part of, and then I'm going to be letting go of that side of my business, at least temporarily. Okay. Just because I'm not enjoying it as much. And I remember thinking that last, it was like last December and I was in the middle of it and I'm like, I don't know. Uh, if I want to continue with this, but I remember not feeling guilty about it. I felt like, okay, this has run its course. I had a great time and I think I'm ready to be done. And I didn't feel like shame around it or like I was turning my back on this part of the business, which can happen frequently when you start a business from the ground up and you, you know, also you see that people are excited about it still. And then you feel like, "Mm, I don't really want to do this anymore. You can kind of get those loser feels or really beat yourself up for wanting to make change. And so once I kind of gave myself permission, like, okay, I can let this go and focus on other things. I started getting excited about other facets facets of my business and also giving myself the freedom to know like I can start selling that stuff again if I want to like in a couple years or whenever it feels fun for me again. So that's kind of what led me down this road of flexibility. And as I'm approaching market season, I'm thinking about my liquidation sales. I want to kind of share this process with you and just hit on, like I said, those three points within our bridal sewing business that we could integrate some flexibility. And I want you to think through Do you allow yourself to have flexibility or are you like, oh my goodness, if I ever changed this, my business would die. Okay. And, and how does that make your body feel? (laughs) Does that feel freeing, peaceful? Does it feel stressful? Okay. So the first thing I want to hit is, um, we should have flexibility within our goals. Okay, so I want to talk about our business vision and our financial goals. So I already kind of touched on the business vision a little bit, but um, that was, you know, kind of my whole story of where I am, like literally this week, thinking about my full business vision going into the fall and going into wintertime. It's changing, right, from the way that it had been in the years past, and that is okay. And I feel like, okay, the income might shift a little bit, but um, where I... I have some other ideas of how I can build income that doesn't have to do with like knitting and the the flannel accessories. And I really want to be able to spend more time on kind of the fun stuff, which I'm going to get to that at point three. Okay. Um, But I want you to think about your business, your big scheme business vision. Think about like, what did it look like when you first started your business or when you first started dreaming it up? And does that vision still fit your current life situation? So say if you started your business like five years ago, a lot has changed within five years. Does your vision still fit your current lifestyle? Um, Do you feel guilty if you're like, oh my goodness, that doesn't really light me up anymore? Maybe you caught into bridal sewing And I say this because I have a friend who's kind of going through that. She got into bridal sewing and she's like, 
I think I want to get more into design, but am I turning my back on bridal sewing or like my dream if I actually want to lean in more towards design? No, you're not turning your back on anything. You're giving yourself freedom to explore the other options, right? So think about the big vision. And if it's changing, if your original vision doesn't light you up, then you can change it and then just start thinking of a new dream. And once you give yourself kind of the permission to start dreaming of something else, you'll be surprised of how like the other side of your brain starts like filling in the gaps and and helping you to get to the next step. So think about that big vision and give yourself flexibility with your big vision goals. If it's just no longer working with your maybe your family situation, your own personal growth, we've all grown a lot the past few years, right? And so if it doesn't fit who you are today, you can change it. You can also allow flexibility with your financial goals. And I know this can sound kind of scary, like, uh, wait, what? Like, no, I need to keep making money. I need to keep, you know, adding to that income. And I totally get it because I almost got like a little bit obsessed about this. I wouldn't say obsessive, but I was like really driven. Like I need to make more this month than I made last month. And I'm more this year than last year, more, more, more. And there has to be a point as, you know, an independent business owner that we are comfortable and content with the amount of money that we're making. Otherwise, it just becomes like we never get there. And I, when you think about other careers, you know, there are benchmarks um, when you are hired by somebody else, <laughs> right? There are benchmarks. And then there's a point where you're like, okay, I can... I can kind of coast here for a little while and that's okay. I'm not a sellout. I'm not lazy. I can just coast and that's okay. So you can have flexibility to coast if you and your partner or your family can, you know, gel with that. That's fine. You may also feel like you've had this, you know, say you have like a monthly quota. And we recently just talked about this in the membership because we've been, we recently did like a a self-evaluation and we talked about our income goals. If you have this like monthly goal that you want to make, say if you want to make, you know, $5,000 a month and that's like, okay, if I can just get to 5,000, Let's say you get there and you realize, okay, this is all that I had to sacrifice in my personal life to get to $5,000. I don't know if it's worth it, right? It's okay to reevaluate or whatever that number is. If it's 10,000 or 15,000, if you if you have a, a set amount that you want to make a month and then once you get there, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not worth it. You're not a sellout for lowering that monthly quota. What you're doing is you're listening to your body's needs and you're realizing, oh, I don't need to measure up to this person next to me or this person online that I'm thinking, you know, I'm assuming how much they're making or what their comfort level is. (laughs) Uh, You have to go by what works best for you and your own workflow. You also might get you like a monthly financial goal and realize, okay, I got to 5,000 and that was actually quite doable. So maybe I can raise it you know, to 5,500 or something. It's when we kind of get stuck in that rut of like, I need to make this certain amount or else. Um, I need to be seen as, you know, this type of seamstress or else. That's kind of just when we get stuck in that rut and we don't allow that flexibility. So I kind of want to get into that next step of being seen as a certain type of seamstress. That's going to come into our next step by um, having flexibility with your service and your offerings, okay? Now, I know this is kind of like a, oh, I don't, I don't want to say like a, 
like a hot topic, but I think that we, because we take so much pride in what we do, there's part of us that thinks, okay, I've got to keep accepting those super challenging jobs because I got to keep up, you know, with like the seamstresses around me or maybe the online seamstress community. And I got to tell you, people aren't watching us as much as we think that they are, right? We can get like in our heads, like really stuck in our heads. And we look at, you know, social media or we see what other seamstresses are doing and we think that they're comparing themselves to us or, you know, like, oh, I'm actually doing more than she is or whatever. We get these weird like mind games and other people just aren't thinking about us as much as we think that they are. And they certainly aren't looking in our books and, you know, noticing who we're serving or what kind of dresses we're working on. You know, there's gonna be some cool projects that we're like really excited about that we want to share, but it doesn't have to be every single dress that we take in our studio. And if you, um, for a season, you're thinking, I do not want to take on these like, you know, complete overhaul dresses. I need to just work on some like simple, like hems, straps, and a bustle. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) those like predictable jobs. You're not a sellout. So let's kind of just start with the brides, okay? So we all know they're like, we say that we're a bridal seamstress, but there are so many different kind of projects to take on. And if you have a really clean pre-booking system and you know how to filter through the brides you're going to be working with, you can project what kind of work you'll be doing, the hours invested, you know, the concentration that needs to be invested. And then you know also that you can, you know, work on some dresses that are a little bit easier if you can uh, foresee who's coming into your studio. Now, some of you, you love doing those reconstruction projects and I can handle like a few a year. That's what's fun for me, but I love the social aspect of my business. I know I've shared this with you. Like I love getting to know the brides. I love talking. I love having multiple fittings. And so that's where I love my brain power to go is like the, I don't know, I shouldn't say all my brain power, but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I really enjoy I guess more the more simple things because I like to elevate the experience. I want to elevate the hospitality in the fittings. And I know my limit when it comes to like reconstructing dresses or doing like the, oh, I want to wear my grandma's dress. You know, some of you like, I know that's totally your jam. Um, But if that should change, if you feel like I'm feeling super overwhelmed, I'm overbooked, and I just need a season to do some easier work. Um, it's okay to change the kind of work that you're accepting. And um, I. it's also good to know that, um, or good to note that if you turn away some brides because you're like, oh, I actually can't take on that project right now, or my books are full, they don't need to know why your books are full or what they're full of, okay? Um, It doesn't mean that future brides with these reconstruction projects or these really intricate projects, it's not to say they're not gonna come back to you later, okay? So you saying no for a season doesn't mean you're saying no to them forever, but I think it's really important to tune into what your body needs, especially now when we're all like super overbooked, or maybe if you're not overbooked, you're like at your limit, okay? Or you definitely had to like lay down the law and say no, okay? So we're, you know, we're experiencing a really busy season and I feel like it's gonna be that way for the next few years. So if you need to set limits on what kind of work you accept, you have the right to do that because it's your business and it's your body and it's what your heart needs, what your body needs, what your family may need. And so you are the only one who knows what your like emotional, 
emotional limitations are. And it's okay to like own those and to know when you need to take a step back. And when you just got to say no to all like the beaded embellishments on the tailoring or whatever, you know, you can be specific on who you want to serve. You have the right to do that. And it's not going to affect your future clients. It's like all the beautiful dresses aren't going to be like gone forever, right? It's just until you say no, or until you say so, I should say. Um, and another important thing to note is like your brides, um, well, actually, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm going to save that little tidbit for the next point. But, um, we kind of get, yeah, like I said, like caught in this like mindset of like, I need to keep proving myself and you want to be cautious of who you're actually trying to prove yourself to. If you're trying to prove yourself to somebody on the internet who like doesn't know you or or doesn't have like an investment in your life, in your personal life, then, you know, you got to let it go, right? Um, and just know um, what your emotional, your personal limits are and be okay with it. Um, I say like some people have reached out to me and have asked like, okay, should I take on bridesmaids? I don't know why this is such a big deal. Like a lot of people think about like uh bridesmaids, like saying yes or no to them. So maybe I should start like taking screenshots of these questions because then you can know that you're not crazy if you have the same question or stress. So the first thing I usually say is like, oh yeah, raise the prices so that bridesmaid's dress is worth it for you. And then keep taking them. I love bridesmaid dresses because I feel like it's easy money. And for the most part, it's like an easy hem, straps, whatever, some bus caps. Okay. Um, but for some of you, you may feel like I kind of need to take a break from brides, but I will still work with bridesmaids and mothers of the brides or whatever, you know, something that is still formal wear, like in your niche, but not necessarily brides. And that's okay. That kind of falls back into what do you need and what what do you need so that you can still enjoy your job, right? And if that means that you're changing your offerings or you're flexible with who you're serving and you're going to spend more time with the bridesmaids than you are with the brides, that's fine. It doesn't make you a loser. It makes you in control of your business and you're giving yourself a shot to like just make money in a different way. Maybe you can see more bridesmaids or mothers of the bride or whatever other formal wear, fewer brides, but your workload may just be a little bit, I don't know, less stressful. So you might be thinking, okay, I'm already booked out literally until November. And you're telling me that I can, you know, make changes. Okay, so obviously you don't want to back out of your commitments, right? So you can get through November. But as inquiries are coming for 2023, you can think about what it is that you actually want to do. What kind of work do you want to do? Um, what 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 uh, dresses do you want to see coming through your shop? And what clients do you actually want to work with, right? Think through these things so your decisions are intentional and you're not just taking anybody who kind of comes down the pike, right? I have a great training about um, knowing exactly who your ICA is, your ideal client avatar, your ideal client community. Um, that's one way of kind of filtering out your um, your clients, but you can have flexibility in that too because your ideal client is going to change based on where you are in your life, where you are in your business, and it's not a forever commitment. It's who you want to serve basically in the next six months, okay? And if you're feeling kind of burnt out right now and you're thinking, I need just a cool, calm, you know, early spring, okay, plan ahead for that. And you have the flexibility to change who you serve. And this is kind of what I was going to 
head into a little bit earlier in the episode is having joy projects. So one of my good friends, she and her husband own a construction company and they have like a thriving business and it kind of blew up about like 10 years ago. And right now they're in like that management stage and um, just making sure that the business doesn't take over their lives still, right? You'd think that they're pros, but they're always like very intentional. And that's what makes them pros. They don't just kind of like let the business, you know, work itself out or let the clients come to them. They're very selective about who they work with and also what their goal is for each year. And I think that's really intuitive. And so my girlfriend told me, she's like, you may have years where you have really strict financial goals and you, you know, it can be like, um, you want to save for like a down payment on a house or you have kids that are involved in these like sports events, or you have to travel with your kids cheerleading team to Disney World or whatever. And you have a very specific, you know, monetary amount that you need to make that year. But other years, you may need that flexibility for that emotional well being. And that's what I kind of want to impress upon you today is that we can change those goals. So when I was talking about having your flexibility with the financial goals, yeah, I when we were like wanting to get a new house and we wanted land and in Washington State, it's like good luck finding land. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I was like putting the pedals to the metal and just I was saving up for that big goal. Um, and I want to, you know, build up that down payment, whatever. So I know what that's like, right? Um, but you may also have times where you need to invest in a creativity goal of enjoying what you do again, right? Some of you, you love making your own clothes or you love, like I said, I love making those cute little crafty sewing items, right? And giving yourself a season to focus on those joy projects. Uh, For some of you, um, it may be those reconstruction dresses. Instead of seeing like tons of brides with the same old, same old, like, you know, hem, bustle, straps (laughs) that I mentioned before, that may seem like torture to you. And you may just want two big projects in that season that's just really fulfilling and stirs up your creativity, whether it's for other clients or it could just be for you or for friends in your life, right? If you have a season where you need to step back from as much money and you need to step into that creative space, you have the freedom to do that. And it only has to be temporary. You're not giving up in your business. You're not, you know, giving up on the baby. If you choose some creativity or creative restoration, as opposed to the monthly income that you're, that you're used to making, right? So give yourself some flexibility with that. And the third, um, the third area that you can add flexibility is with your home time. Doesn't that sound so nice? (laughs) Just some flexible home time. But, you know, um, because most of us were a one woman show, um, even if you are um, the owner of your studio and you have seamstresses working under you, you still have a lot on your plate as a manager, as an owner, right? And um, you want to be flexible with what your family needs, with what your personal health needs are. And so if that means that you reconfigure your schedule or take a step back, that's fine too. So maybe you want to reconfigure your schedule, but you don't want to change your income. Hmm. That's kind of like the the magic combo, right? And that's what I've been um, experimenting with basically all year. And I've been sharing that with you. So as of this episode, I have a new schedule where I see brides for one week and then I have a week off. And so the week where I do see brides, I'm still sewing. And my week off, I have... um, like one or two sewing days. And then the rest of the week is off to do home stuff to record episodes for you. Um, And 
I'm just experimenting with it because what I was doing before was too much. And what that was, was like, oh, I'm available five days a week for fittings, right? And then it became like, okay, four days a week. And then, you know, I've kind of been giving you all these updates, but um, you can also, we've, we talked about this before, we've, we've talked about this in the membership. I know I've mentioned this in the podcast is the, the subject of raising prices, which can feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you can, if that's your personal goal, you can raise your prices a little bit to even out um, the fewer brides that you'd want to work with. But another way to alter your schedule is just to consolidate when you see brides and when you actually sew. So let's say that you have your studio open currently for like four days a week, five days a week for fittings. Can you consolidate that into three days or maybe like two days and one evening a week? So you're more in control. It's very condensed and you're on, you know, quote unquote, with your makeup and your bra on and all that stuff, just, you know, three days a week as opposed to five or whatever, whatever feels easier for you. And like that would give you peace you have the right to change that schedule. And what's really interesting, and I mentioned this before with your um, with the kind of brides that you work with, your brides are not looking at your schedule with other brides. So say if you know you want to think about your fitting schedule and you're like, oh my goodness, my new brides are gonna know that I used to be open five days a week and now I'm only open three days a week. It's like, no, nobody is paying attention, right? And brides aren't communicating with each other. Like, sure, there's that off chance where it's like, you know, you you work on one bride's dress and then her sister comes to you and you get to work on their dress too, whatever. Like those things happen when we, you know, experience that word of mouth blessing. But for the most part, like brides don't communicate with each other. So they don't know how your schedule changes week to week. And bottom line is you have control over it and you can give yourself the gift of that flexibility. So you can change your, um, your scheduling. Um, I've, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast that I have three fittings within all of my um, fitting packages. And that's for my flexibility, not for theirs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the brides see it as a treat, like, oh, they get, you know, custom fittings, but it's more for me that allows more flexibility for me. And I can get into that subject more later. I, I love talking about that as well. And I know we all have our own like systems, our ways of doing things. And if we can think outside the box of like, what would it feel like actually if I changed the way that I do things, right? I'm so used to having fittings, you know, this many days a week. But if in reality, it's not working with your family or your kid's schedule or you, if you just feel like it's too much, you can change it. And the brides are still going to come. And if they don't come, that's okay. Um, I had a bride this year. Oh my goodness. Who had a really difficult work, work situation. Her work schedule was like crazy. You know, those red flags that you look back on and you're like, I wish I listened to those. She was so high maintenance with her work schedule. And, um, I thought, okay, if I can just like figure out, you know, a way to get her in, I'll stay late one night and then we can kind of figure out the next fitting. Oh no. She was high maintenance with her communication, with her like fitting times, with her pickup time. It was like, oh my goodness. And I just regret not sticking to my guns because the truth is she could have found someone else who worked within her schedule parameters and I could have done without that stress. Okay. So moral of the story is you're going to have brides coming to you still that can work with your schedule. You have the freedom to change when you offer fittings and um, what your sewing days are. If you can consolidate when you actually sew, that's perfect, right? Something that works with your family time. And not just that, like 
you don't need a family to have personal time. If you just need more time at home, you can figure out, like, look at your current schedule. How can you consolidate it? How can you change it to really work best for you? And if you're currently working in a bridal salon, that's where you do your fittings or that's where you sew, you can communicate that with your bridal store owner. Because fortunately, especially during these times, uh, seamstresses, we do have, um, we carry around a lot of weight, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because we're in high demand these days. So you can set your personal schedule. You can bring that to your bridal salon. It could just be worth a conversation, right? But the point is we put these pressures on ourselves and that, and it's our own fault because we expect so much of ourselves. And when we are, when we're not working for a company, when we don't have like a boss organizing our work schedules along with, you know, all of our other coworkers, <laughs> like a normal job, we just lose sight of how much pressure we're putting on ourselves. And it just rolls into the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month to the point where it's like, what am I doing? And am I still even enjoying it? And why am I doing it if I don't enjoy it? You know what I'm saying? And um, so I'm not, I don't want you to listen to this episode and think like, I need to change everything. No, like some things could really be working for you really well. But I want you to feel really strong in the conviction that you have the right to change things. You have the freedom to change the way that you're doing things. And you don't need to measure up or do the same thing that anybody on Instagram is doing or posting or what you're seeing on Pinterest or whoever you're following. We each have, and I I feel like, especially within our community, we all have our own ways of doing things that work for us. But you do need to be brave enough to test out the new things to make to like, find the stuff that actually works for you, right? Um, We've all been there where we've had conversations or whether it's online or in person with um, an older business owner who they've been whatever genre, whatever business they're owning, and they've been doing things the same way for like 40 years. And you just think like, golly, if you had an online payment option or... (laughs) whatever the simple fix, you know, you fill in the blank. Um, and to some extent, that's that's us, literally. Like, we're not um, exempt from that just because, you know, we've been doing it for fewer years. Like, you could be in a business for like two years and already be stuck in your ways. And then you're limiting yourself to all this growth or experience or just a completely different lifestyle because we're thinking this is the only way that it's going to work. And if I change things up, either I'm not going to make as much money or people, whoever people are, are going to think I'm weird or I'm not going to, you know, fit in or measure up or whatever. Like you fill in the blanks because literally it's your voice in your head that's telling you all that weird stuff. And you, that's who you got to talk to, right? And that's where I've been. (laughs) I'm like, why am I putting all this pressure on myself? Oh wait, it's me. I'm, I'm doing it to myself. So, um, print out that journaling prompt that I made for you. And this will kind of walk you through all of these points that I just listed out. And then you can be, you can really kind of confront them to yourself and confront yourself with yourself and think like, okay, is this working? Yeah, it's working. And this is why. And then um, hmm, how would it feel if I changed it up a little bit? And it just gives you permission to daydream a little bit. And every great business starts with a daydream, right? That's why it's like a hashtag. Don't quit your daydreaming. It's like, you got to keep thinking of more enjoyable ways to do the thing that you're doing or else guess what? We just stop enjoying it. So I hope this um, has kind of uh, prompted some 
creative thinking for you. I love to hear from you. So when you listen to an episode and it kind of like registers like, or something clicks and you're like, oh my gosh, I get that. I love hearing from you with like DMs, those of you who message me on Instagram, or if you, if you're on my email list and you send me an email, you know, like I reply. So I'd love to hear from you that way too, which reminds me, I actually sent out a survey to those of you on my email list. I've gotten some great responses. Oh my word. I just wanted to know what were your biggest stressors? What are your biggest stressors as a bridal sewing business owner? And what is most frustrating for you as a small business owner, specifically in the bridal sewing industry? And it's just so interesting and fascinating because all of us have, you know, I'm getting a lot of responses and some of them are so different, but some of them are very, very similar. And I feel like, gosh, we're kind of just all in the same boat, you know? And if we all, all of us in our weird insecure boats just gave ourselves a big hug or met in a room and talked about all the insecurities, we'd figure out that we're not alone and everybody has the same weird fears. So thank you for those of you who have given me great responses. Oh my gosh, I'm getting really excited about fall and um, what kind of content to put out for you to help you with that and some master classes that'll be coming up as well to serve you specifically in those areas. So thank you so much if you've responded to that. If you're not on my email list, you can head to Secrets of Bridal po- Secrets. <laughs> what is this thing called? <laughs> Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress Podcast.com. You can sign up to be on the email list or you can sign up to get that um, that free digital download. And I really hope that it is helpful for you. Oh, and we have a winner this week. Um, I haven't announced, um, we've had winners, but obviously I haven't announced them on the podcast because this is my first podcast in a couple weeks. But um, this week's winner is Linen and Lace. They are based out of North Carolina, and they are alteration specialists, and they also curate um, wedding events, which I think is really cool, like for um, wedding vendors. So check them out, Linen and Lace, on Instagram, and I'm going to be going ahead and sending them some podcast merch their way. So thank you for sharing. We have two more weeks left of this giveaway, so you can enter by leaving a review on your favorite streaming platform, or you can take a screenshot of an episode, um, including the title, and then share it on your Instagram stories. Make sure you tag me, Nadine.Bozeman, so I can enter you in the drawing. And then um, I, I send you a goodie each week. So we have two more weeks left of that. So thank you for those who have entered. And thank you to those of you who have won um, on our off weeks. So congratulations. All right. Well, have a great week. Give yourself some grace and flexibility. And um, cheers to getting through summer, right? <laughs> well, we're almost there. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. All right. Have a great week. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And if you're feeling really generous, leave a review. Thanks, everyone.